William Fitzsimmons here on Portland Radio Project. We appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Uh, you're on tour right now supporting the brand new record, Mission Bell, and you're on the North American leg of it. How's the tour so far? Uh, it's been pretty wonderful, man. It's actually been really, uh, really good. I like touring in general, but I'm particularly lucky to have some pretty amazing people out right now. So that makes it, uh, it makes it pretty amazing. Yeah, the uh, new record was released in September of 2018, and it's fantastic. I would say this is the most ethereal-sounding uh, record. For me, it has the core of what you've always done, these uh, brilliant, well-written songs with impactful lyrics, but it's like you've put these huge guitars and, and strings and stuff in this record, and I, I just think it's really brilliant. Can you speak to maybe what's inspired that? Uh, well, thanks. First of all, that's really nice. And I, man, I love how you put that. I think it's, um, I, I don't want to stay the same when I make music. I mean, there's always a temptation to, uh, because if something's working, why would you change it? Uh, I, I didn't want to do the same thing. And yet when it comes to the way that I write songs and what I'm writing about, for, for whatever reason, it's, uh, the, you know, a lot of the subject matter has remained relatively similar the, the producer that i ended up working with after attempting to make this record once the the producer that i ended up being connected with um adam landry uh i think he found a way to keep it me um but to make it bigger uh more interesting and uh, i think more more complicated too yeah for sure you know it's, it's i mean the temptation is when you're making sad folk music is to just make it sound like sad folk music, <laughs> right? You know? um, and that's fine. Sometimes, sometimes that's exactly what you want to do. Um, but other times, I think you actually you're you're missing an opportunity to um, engage somebody into a more interesting conversation, uh, which is that there's more emotions than just heartbreak and sadness, even in heartbreak and sadness. Uh, so I really, do, I, I really, I give a lot of credit to Adam for taking my little songs uh and making them big ethereal like you said um and and interesting it's it's the favorite record that i've ever done by uh by a mile wow it, how cool is it to have him on the road with you right now i can't explain how awesome that is you know a lot of times you make a record and there'll be you know sometimes there's session musicians and a producer and it's awesome and you go on the road and even if you've got a great band there is a disconnect because they weren't there. Sure. Uh, you know, they, they, they can be amazing players and they could even play the parts exactly the same. Um, but there's something about having gone through the experience of literally sitting there in the studio and having to find some kind of magic that when you have that person with you on stage, it's so easy to recreate it. Uh, and that, 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 I mean, that's been, that's been a joy. I, I've played with a lot of great people but there, there's something really special about the chemistry that adam and i have on stage um it's it's uh, you know I, I best way i could put it is to put in like a marital thing where you can kind of finish the other person's sentence you know he sort of knows where i'm gonna go with the song even if it's something we never even rehearsed before i'm really looking forward to that you're going to be in town on january 23rd uh wednesday night playing at the old church in downtown have you ever played that venue or been to that venue no, no, that's a completely new one for me. Um, 
So I, I, I literally know almost nothing about it. Yeah, it's a super rad church. It's perfect for Mission Bell. I always use the word ambiance when I talk about the old church. They've got a big pipe organ, a huge stage. You're going to love it. Well, that's what we, we need. A, we, we need a milieu that works for us. Um, you know, there's some bands where they, I mean, you could put, uh, you could put some bands literally in a, you know, an abandoned warehouse and it would be the greatest show you ever saw. Right. Uh, you know, for, for us, because we are trying to create um, a very specific kind of atmosphere and, and um, emotions in the room that if, if you put it in, say, uh, you know, a, a church or a kind of an old theater, I think it really does kind of, it gives people the opportunity to get into it uh, in a different way than they would at like a, just a normal rock club. You're going to be with uh, Jim and Sam from L.A. Can you talk about uh, their music and why they're on tour with you? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I was not familiar with them until um, a really good friend of mine who's also my label manager with uh, uh, Network Records, so I've been with for several years. Uh, she sent me a note maybe a couple months ago and said, you know, William, you have to listen to these guys. It's right up your alley. You're going to love it. Um, and, uh, I, I was, I don't, it's the, I guess the older I get, the less it happens that I get blown away <laughs> by something, but, and they had that, I'm, I'm sort of a sucker for natural musical chemistry. I just watched a program about, um, the Troubadour in LA, uh, and it was about a reunion performance that James Taylor and, um, uh, 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 Carol King did and the way when they were singing together and they even talked about it but the way that their connection was so um, almost supernatural uh, and and Jim and Sam have that thing and I think part of it's because they're married oh right on you know so there, there's this uh, the only other time I've seen it is with siblings when you have siblings that sing and play music together uh when the there's something about the harmonies that that transcends you know the perfect pitch and a great arrangement um it's everything it's the phrasing it's the timing so it's like having a true double from the studio that's that's exactly that's exactly what it is um and yet you're you're physically seeing two people up there um on the stage and uh, you know and I, again i don't want to blow smoke or anything but they're real, they're two of the loveliest people i've ever met it's been a joy, and I think it really, I think it makes the whole night special because it works together so well. Now, going back to the record, the first single I believe that was released was Secondhand Smoke, um, and, and this is a great representation of the record. I think it's a tighter production than some of the other tracks, but uh, I love this single, and I also love the approach taken with the instrumentation. It seems like a lot of vintage analog gear was used. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right, man. Which was kind of new for me, honestly. I, I, uh, I think people tend to think I'm more old school than I am with with gear. But the the, the truth is, is I kind of I started out at a time when digital things, uh, in terms of software and digital audio workstations and uh, microphones, even you know the the way that you record. Um, People were so up on it being convenient and uh, and, and fast and modern, um, and it really is. It's a it is a breeze to record that way. Uh, 
I mean, you can literally go and sit down in a little little room and you can make a whole all record. Uh, and there's you can make it perfect if you want to. You know, I can auto tune not just the vocals but all the instruments. I can put plugins and everything. You know, uh, Adam is kind of a different beast, and he. I think he understands that you, the the compromise and what you lose whenever you you choose perfection over performance is is a massive loss, especially now when there's so much music. You turn on the radio and everything is perfect. Right. You know, when's the last time you heard a bad note in a in a top forty pop song? It just doesn't happen. Right. You know? And he was very he was very committed to it being as 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 honest um, and as performed as possible. So there are many live performances, uh, even so much as live track. It was just the two of us for most of it. But you know, he would turn on the mics, he would go to the drum kit, and I would go to the piano, and he just hit record on the tape machine, and that's what you got. You got to you know, you either play it or you don't. There's no like, oh, okay, we can go back and fix these eight mistakes digitally like he he would have nothing to do with that and <laughs> <I love that. laughs> yeah and i was honestly man i was kind of terrified um because it's, it's a it is a lot of pressure that way you know when you literally physically watch the tape machine moving you know he would even describe it he would say dude we are we are burning electrons <laughs> onto this magnetic tape well you know it's um but there's also there's a freedom in that in the limitations of it too um because you know you just do the best you can and then it's going to be okay you can't really worry about it after that so uh it was it was wildly inspiring once i got over the fear i kind of fell in love with it and i didn't have to worry anymore you know it was like okay we have a synthesizer that literally makes six sounds not a thousand so let's find a good one and let's record it there's echoes of, of your past work, I think, especially on the song uh, Never Really Mine. You've got those tight electro drums, but then these great images uh, painted around that with other instruments. Uh, same thing with Angela. That song is super great. Is that in 3-4? Uh, yes, yes, which uh, I, I, I love writing in waltz tempo. I don't know why, but there's something about it that kind of kind of gets me. But even that, you know, I did like demo versions of these songs and when you a b them against uh what adam did there there is there's something really special that that he did again it's like you said it still sounds like me and that was important because i still i still want it to sound like myself that makes sense you know i don't want to do like a madonna thing where i'm like genre hopping right um no no judgment if somebody wants to do that but that's um that's not what i want to do i like i like folk music you know um, but there is there's there's a way there's a way to speak different languages and still get to the same you know still get to the the, the same place. Yeah, and looking back now at uh, Gold in the Shadows, uh, one of my favorite tracks of all time is uh, Bird of Winter Prey. I think it's oh, it's amazing. I was actually listening to a lot of Cigarros at the time, so the strings were. I mean, I was primed for this record when it came. Oh yeah, out. sure. And I see echoes of that now in uh, 17 and Forever. Probably your strongest lyrics for me, I think, on the record. And again, has echoes of uh, Bird of Winter Prey. What inspired this track? It's it's lovely. Thank you. That um, I mean, the whole record 
most of it was written in an early form before I, I split up with my second wife. And I went back after the, the, the first version was done that I, I mentioned earlier. I went back and I, I loved the songs so much. And there was so much in those songs, even though I didn't know at the time what was kind of happening in my personal life. But maybe I knew it subconsciously, but... Um, I I looked at it and I thought, man, I think I think these songs actually are really relevant for what I'm going through. So I went back and some of it was re, uh, rewritten, some of it was really rewritten, and some of it was just little changes here and there. But when I was working um, uh, in a mental health unit at a, a hospital in South Jersey, and there was a, a young woman that I had a really nice connection to, and it, it wasn't inappropriate or anything. It was a uh, you know, I was working as a mental health tech and she was a patient on the unit and she was a young girl and um, she ended up uh, she ended up losing her life through drug addiction and uh-huh. mental health issues and she had a rough, a really rough go. Um, uh, but I, I guess I had started to develop a heart for people that have been through different kinds of abuse. Um, and I that, that song was somebody somebody dealing with the reality of of being mistreated throughout their their life, and I, I think unfortunately it tends to happen to females. Um, right. Yeah. More more often it does to males, and I guess I wanted to have a little bit of uh, empathy and and to be to be very honest with you, you know, I saw some of these things um, in my my wife at the time. I saw that she had been through a lot of these same same things, and I saw the effect that it was having on her life still you know um the idea that these things you go through when you're young when you're an adolescent that you kind of think you're you're through you know you get over it but it still kind of comes back and and haunts you later yeah i was gonna say it's got to be scary to see that yeah yeah it well yeah it is it is Uh, and and i don't know it's you know some people wonder why i write about these (laughs) these things i uh and sometimes i'm not totally sure but i i tend to think it's I actually think it's healthy to kind of exercise some of these demons. You know, it's it's not for the sake of staying in it. It's actually for the sake of healing from it. You know, but I think unless you kind of face it, unless you talk about it, you got to turn around and, and face the monster, you know. If you keep running, it's still going to keep chasing you. That's the idea. Yeah, and you've always done that. I th- It goes back to what you were saying about top 40. If, if you don't want to think and you want a digestible melody, there's avenues for that but i think what you're doing is important i think you know uh the 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 folk approach to telling stories and also teaching lessons is is great i can't tell you how many times uh i've shared your music with folks i'm like hey it's beautiful he's got a great voice he's a killer guitarist but these songs are super honest i mean sparrow and the crow i i can't imagine how many people who've come up to you and said oh my gosh this is what i went through it happens uh it happens all the time and I, I wish it didn't. If, if you'll take my meaning, I wish people didn't have to connect with these things. But, but it's it's just uh, it's just true. And I don't. I certainly don't disparage any other kind of music either. I mean, man, sometimes sure. I just want to throw on, uh, uh, you know, something super sugary and poppy and dance with my my two kids. You know, it's uh, it's not my my music is not more or less important. It's just different, and it's I like to use the word avenue. You know, it's a, it's just a different thing. Sometimes you need the 
you know, I don't know. Sometimes you need a, a, a kale salad and sometimes you want to eat a Snickers bar. So. <laughs> Touche. Um, I think, I think I'm the kale salad in there, but that's, that wasn't a great amount. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it though. Um, well, so it sounds like you've had these songs or the ideas for these songs for a while. And, and as folks know, it takes some time to write, produce, and then release a record. Is there anything that you can take as a lesson looking back at these songs now, even though they've been with you, they're new for us, maybe how are they changing uh, when you translate them to something live and, and have those meetings evolved for you? It's, it, it's, it, always, it always is changing. And early on, I, I think I thought that I was supposed to have the same feeling every time I played a song. Like, you know, if, if there was a, a song off Sparrow and the Crow or something that was really devastating and heartbreaking, you know, what, am I, what do I do if I've had a good day on tour uh, and I'm feeling really close to the band and I'm happy? Like, am I being dishonest if, if I'm going up and performing that and you know and that that was kind of a that was a that was a hard thing to get through believe it or not just because I because I, I don't I don't I'm not doing theater you know I, I don't believe that I'm meant to be an actor uh, on stage I actually want to kind of present people with myself and I think that can be what what makes it work really well you know if I'm in an authentic place um, over time I, I think I just got really tired of trying so hard, and I just said, you know what, man, forget it. I'm just gonna go up there, wherever I'm at, and I'm gonna play. I'm gonna put my heart into the song completely. But if if I'm in a good mood and I'm playing a sad song, I don't have to pretend to be sad. I just have to play the song and try to present it in the best way that I can. I mention your live shows a lot when I'm either doing interviews with artists or talking about you know people that. Are, like you said, there's there's a lot of competition out there, electro synth pop to whatever, you know, stripped down folk. One thing I loved the first time I saw you that was so cool was you were hilarious. Like between the songs, you would be like, all right, so here's another sad song. Or you, you know, you had these cheeky moments that really balanced out the evening. And one of them that killed me was, I forget which tune you played, but it was a really low BPM, you know, 70 yeah, yeah. something. And then you're like, all right. <laughs> Now we're going to slow things down. And it's like, That's right. it's, it's so amazing. I love that joke, man. I, I, I go to the well for that, that, that <laughs> theme of joke all the time. Cause I love it so much. Well, because look, it is funny. Yeah. So that's the thing. It's hilarious to me. It's like, it, you have to laugh at the fact that we're all sitting in a room together and people are paying money literally to sit here and hear a grown man basically read his diary. Sure. You know what I mean? And, and there's something about it which is so ridiculous. Um, so I, I do, I'm, I like making light of it. I like, uh, I don't know, it's a, I like turning around on the elevator and looking at somebody. You know, I like the discomfort element. I like, I like uh, you know, if there's a bear that's sleeping, sometimes I do want to go up and poke it a little bit. I think we need that. I think, I think you need to be given a little bit of discomfort. And music is good at that, man. You know, music can bring a lot of peace, but it can bring some nice discomfort, too. You know, it can upset the, the sort of comfortable unreality that that, that we have. And I, I don't know about you, but I mean, when I there's some songs that I hear, it'll bring me to tears before I even realize it. Uh, and I that's what I want. You know, that's the experience that I want even when I'm playing. I want to be 
affected by it. I want to walk off stage and be like, wow, that was a that was a pretty powerful experience. Um, and I guess it takes the discipline of being okay with whatever whatever happens. You know, sometimes the humor thing falls really flat. Um, and sometimes the songs fall really flat. Um, but it doesn't mean that I change what my, my job is. You know, I go up there and I, I literally lay it all out there. And, uh, and uh, you know, as I was saying before, and you let the songs change if they need to. Like, we, we will change, sometimes night to night, we'll change presentations of songs. You know, sometimes just the simple thing is Adam playing the keys instead of the electric guitar. Oh, right on. Uh, uh, you know, changing keys on them, um, playing it really quiet. Uh, playing it fully acoustic, maybe with no mics, just stepping to the front of the stage. Um, you know, and it, and it, it does something for us, obviously, too, because it keeps us from uh, getting too rote with it. That That's a really, really awful part of touring is somewhere around three weeks in, all of a sudden, you walk off stage and realize you just played a show and you weren't even awake for it. Right, yeah. Uh, and that, that is a... That is, heartbreaking and I, I mean I don't even I don't like to say that I don't like to admit that um, but you have to fight against that you know you have to you have to remember that what you're doing has uh, it has weight and it has value and even if there's not a ton of people that care there, there are a few people in that room at least that um, they, they came needing an experience um, so I, I don't care how long I do it if if I forget that part, then I don't deserve to be doing it anymore. Mm, yeah, that's a good philosophy. I mean, there's horror stories of of legends who've checked out and play the same set for six months, and I, I like you said, I couldn't imagine. I mean, think about it. It's got to be hard. I mean, I, I mean, for me, it's not that bad. I got a a big catalog. I don't have hits that I have to play every night, so to speak. You think about somebody like Petty, oh, right? You know, we're like, man, if that guy if he doesn't play running down a dream and, and free fall and learning to fly. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's passed on rest in peace, but that, you know, could you imagine if you went to a Tom Petty show and he didn't play free fall? I mean, he's got to know there's one person who's never been to a concert and they picked this one. That's exactly, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. And they, they are going to be, pissed, yeah. you know, and so, so what do you do? James Taylor. Sure. Yeah. You know, like, dude, he's got to do fire and rain, man. He's got to do it, and it's that. That must be. That must spiritually speaking, I think that must be really, really difficult. So, in, in that sense, I'm pretty lucky that I'm. I'm at a level where I I have so much leeway because there's not, there's just not as much expectation, you know. Yeah, you haven't had your thriller yet. No, thank <laughs> God. I guess. <laughs> Well, uh, we're about uh, short on time. I really appreciate uh, every moment you spent with us. We're looking forward to having you here in Portland once again. William Fitzsimmons and Adam Landry are going to be sharing the stage with Jim and Sam from L.A. I'm going to be checking out their material for sure. And a quick heads up that local PDX artist, singer-songwriter Eddie Berman is going to be sharing the stage with you. Are you familiar with his uh, work? Have you heard his tunes yet? Yeah, yeah, very much. We actually we have the same manager. Uh, so Eddie and I have not hung out yet, but I'm a, I'm a, a big fan of uh, of what he does, and I'm looking forward to, to traveling around with him. It's going to be a great show. So it's Wednesday, January 23rd. Doors open at 8 p.m. Uh, I will definitely be hanging out. I'll come and see you that day, and we hope to have you at the station soon. Man, thanks so much. This was such a pleasure.
Oh, same here. I, I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great show tonight and uh, take care. We'll see you soon. We'll see you soon.